Pastor Xavier Reese and the power behind prayer on today's Simple Truths. You know that there's a difference when you pray to God and when you just include God in your prayer. You see, the greatest strength is in recognizing our own weakness. Paul says, when I am weak, I am strong. Because when I realize my own weakness, then it keeps me dependent upon God. It's when I become proficient that I have the greatest danger because I'm trusting in my own flesh. I'm trusting in my own abilities. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Books on prayer are plentiful, almost all promising to have discovered the secret that opens up the floodgates of heaven. Though well-intentioned, the real secret to prayer is no secret at all. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his verse-by-verse journey through the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles, he explores the simple truths behind answered prayers. Now, Grab your Bible if it's handy and turn to the book of 2 Chronicles for today's study. 2 Chronicles chapter 25. We come to the reign of Amaziah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name is given to us, Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, verse 2 says, but not with a loyal heart. David prayed in the Psalms, Lord, unite my heart with you. A perfect heart speaks of a heart that is totally sold out to God. It is never implying perfection. It is speaking about a heart that's sold out to God, recognizing and counting the cost of being a Christian, a believer. When the scriptures speak, such as here in verse 2 of, but not with a loyal heart, it usually is demonstrated by a life that is committed to God only in certain areas or for periods of time. But when it comes between a difficult choice between God and one's own flesh or one's own desire, one's own flesh and desire usually wins out. It's called compromise. And yet, as we look at the men in the Bible, we see the consequence of compromise. We don't even have to look to the men of the Bible. We can look at men and women around our own lives, people of our own age, people of our own families who have accepted Christ, who have compromised in different areas of life, and how costly it is because their heart was not loyal or complete in God. Having one foot in the world and one foot in the church, being too religious for the world to be totally embraced and being too worldly in the church to really feel at peace. That's an awkward place to be. And yet we know that there's people like that all the time in church. They seem to have it all together up front, but it's a disguise. Why make it hard on yourself? You know, like Joshua said, you know, how long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, fine, serve him. If Baal be God, then serve him. But make up your mind. What are you going to do? And so such was the heart of Amaziah. Now, it didn't show up at the beginning, as we'll see. He says, Now it was so when the kingdom was established for him that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king, his father, uh, Joash, in the previous chapter. However, he did not execute their children, but did as it was written in the law of the book of Moses. 
where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall die for his own sin. And it's a beautiful principle because so often we feel that God is really punishing us for things that our children would do. Or our children think that God's going to punish them for what we do. But that's not scriptural. Each person has to give an account of his own life. I will give an account of my life to the Lord and my children will have to give an account of their life to the Lord. God will hold me responsible for my children as long as they are in the home under my authority, under my rule. But God will still hold them responsible if they rebel against the word in that direction. Each person has to give an account of his or her own life. There's no family plan in the Lord. It's individual relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we are victims, innocent victims, of foolish decisions by our parents or our children, but that's different. We reap consequences because of those who are close to us based on the decisions they make, but it doesn't mean that God is punishing me or judging me for their sin. If a father and mother decide to divorce, the child is an innocent victim. The child receives the drastic consequences is affected very much so. But that is not God punishing the child. That is the child reaping to the foolish decision of the mother and father. That is not God punishing the child. And we have to make that distinction. Now in verse 5 on down, we get the wars against Edom. He says, Moreover, Amaziah, he gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands, of hundreds, over the father's house throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And their number of them were from 20 years old on upward. That was the age of warfare. And he comes to a total of 300,000 choice men able to go to war. In verse 6 he says, He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. So he went to the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom always had wicked kings. Here we go again. Being unequally yoked, compromising. Here we start seeing his heart that was divided. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Underline that. God has power both to help and to overthrow. In other words, he was saying to him, Listen, if you call upon the Lord, the Lord is able to deliver you. But if you're going to trust in the arm of flesh, then you're going to be defeated. And God himself will fight against you rather than helping you. And so God sends a prophet to warn him. Paul says all day long he sent the prophets to, so that the children of Israel would repent, but they would not. So in verse 9, Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents? You know where his heart's at. <laughs> Cost him money. He doesn't want to lose his money. He had given them that amount, and the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. I like that. <laughs> and so Amaziah discharged the troops in verse 10. They went back home, but they returned in great anger. And in verse 11, Amaziah strengthened himself and the people. And as he was leading his people, he went to the valley of Salt, and he killed 10,000 of the people of Seir, which is Edom. And the children of Judah took captives, another 10,000 alive, and they brought them to the top of the rock, and they cast them down from there and dashed them in pieces. 
Verse 13, he says, But as for the soldiers of the army which Amaziah had discharged, so that they would not go with him to battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horam, killed 3,000 in them, and took much spoil. So in other words, because he hired them and then told them to go home, they became very angry. And while he was out at battle, they retaliated and they devastated his area. Now it was so in verse 14 that after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Here we see his divided heart in a greater dimension. Jeremiah accused the people, he says, has it ever been heard of the people who are pagans to leave their gods? And yet you have done two evils. You have forsaken the living God and have hewn out for yourself broken sisters that can hold no water. Here he is. He's serving God. He's warned by a prophet of God. He goes to battle. He obeys the man of God. And then he joins himself to the other gods. It really doesn't make much sense, does it? But yet, we see it happening today in the lives of people. Oh, not exactly like this. But we see young people and older people alike commit their life to Christ. God directs them, guides them, God warns them, they obey. And then they go do something foolish like going and marrying somebody who's not a Christian. They get involved in a business that is unequally yoked. And there's things happening that are dishonest. And there's really no difference. We do the same thing today. We're worshiping the God of mammon, money, power. The God of Molech, abortion, sacrificing our children to the God of Molech. And the God of Baal, the God of the intellect. Those three basic gods are still being worshiped today. We serve them faithfully in our society. They're not in a pagan stone image, but they're as real today as they were back in those days. And we serve them as faithfully and as seriously as they did back then. No different. Therefore, verse 15 says, The anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah, and he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? Notice God's patience. I mean, God, if I was God, I'd cut him off. I'd wipe him out. God is so loving. He's so graceful. He continues to pursue his people. And so he's challenged to consider his rationale. So it was as he talked with him that the king said to him, Have we made you the king's counsel? Cease. Why should you be killed? Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my counsel. And Amaziah, king of Judah, took counsel and said to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, and the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. And so he has received this message from the prophet of God, a prophecy that he's going to be wiped out. God's going to destroy him. All of a sudden, he's feeling his oats. He's gone out to eat them. He's had a great victory. And now he's full of pride. He's pushing it. So he calls for the northern kingdom, the king, and he says, come on, let's face one another. Let's fight. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, he gives him a parable. He says, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, give your daughter to my son as wife, 
and a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You get the idea? He says, you're a little thistle. I'm a big cedar. You had a nice day. You beat this guy. Now why don't you just go home and enjoy your victory before you get hurt? For look what he says in verse 19. Indeed, you say that you have defeated the Edomites, and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall in Judah with you? I like the old King James. Why should you meddle to your own hurt? <laughs> Sometimes we just plain meddle to our own hurt. Sometimes we just feel so cocky. Notice that whenever you have the greatest victories, and I have the greatest victories, you are open to your greatest defeats. Because we're up high. Man, we have just, God has used us tremendously. And all of a sudden we think that we can do anything. Nothing can stop us. And how often Christians meddle to their own hurt. But Amaziah would not heed for it came from God. Remember, this is fulfilled prophecy. That he might give them into the hand of their enemies because they sought the gods of Edom. And so Joash king of Israel went out and he and Amaziah king of Judah faced one another in Beth Shemesh, which belonged to Judah, and Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. So then Joash captured Amaziah at Beth Shemesh, brought him to Jerusalem, broke down the walls of Jerusalem, the gates of Ephraim, gives the dimension there. And in verse 24, he took all the gold and the silver, all the articles from the house of God, the treasury of the king's house, hostages, and returns to Samaria. Notice how far he came. He began by just... Compromising. Compromise then led him to worship other gods, which led him to reject the prophet of God, which led him to trust in his own might, which led him to his own destruction. You don't just get out of bed one day and all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to commit adultery today. It's a very progressive thing. You don't get out of bed and say, well, I think I'm just going to walk away from the Lord. I'm tired of serving Him. It begins with a very small step, and then another step, and then another step. And before you know it, you're way out there. It's a very progressive thing, but it's a very consistent thing. Until all of a sudden, something happens, and you can't even believe it yourself how far you have gone away from the Lord. Sometimes, to tragic destruction. So in verse 25, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years, it says, after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. And the rest of the vacs of Amaziah, the first and last, they're written in the books of kings of Judah and of Israel. And after that time, Amaziah turned away from following the Lord. They made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish, and they killed him there. Then they brought him on horses, they buried him with his father in the city of Judah. And so the very people of God in Judah wiped him out because just the hurt that he brought to the people of God. In chapter 26, we get the reign of Uzziah, his son. All the people of Judah took Uzziah, uh, whose name was also Azariah uh, through Scripture. Some believe Uzziah is his throne name and Azariah his personal name. He was 16 years old when they put him on the throne in spite of his father's wickedness. He built, verse 2 says, Elath, which was uh, 
seaport. In uh, verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old again when he became king. He reigned 52 years, the second longest reign, second to Manasseh, who reigned 55. He was the most wicked king, Manasseh. And his mother's name is given to us again, Jokaliah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Note that. As his father had done. That means not a complete heart. And so you see the consequence that even here, the son learned. Even as Abraham lied about his wife being his sister. What happened to Isaac? He did the very same thing. Look at your own lives before you came to Christ. Some of the dumb things that we disliked and hated about our parents. And when we grew up, we did the very same thing. Because we had that example. We were taught. Though we didn't like it, we were taught. And so we need to realize our responsibility towards our children. To give them that proper example. To live in the fear of God. In the holiness of God. And so in verse 5, he sought God in the days of Zechariah. So God surrounded him with godly men. He had understanding the visions of God. Or he taught him in the fear of God. One or the other. The readings, it makes no difference. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Underline that. The prosperity comes from the Lord. It's not due to your own ability. It's not due to your own righteousness. It's not due because God owes you. It's just because you seek the Lord and God is graceful. And now he went out and he made war against the Philistines. So we get his ability to conquer his enemies, the Philistines. He built cities. In verse 7, it says God helped him against the Philistines, uh, the Arabians. In verse 8, also the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt. And so God promoted him. He built towers in verse 9 in Jerusalem. He was a caring king for his own city. He hewn cisterns in verse 10. He, got, he cultivated the land even up towards Mount Carmel and he provided for his people. In verse 11, it gives to us the record that he had a mighty army, mighty fighting men, the officers are given in the end of verse 11. Hananiah was his captain. In verse 12, the total number of chief officers was um, 2,600. In verse 13, under their hands, there was uh, 307,500 men of war. And in verse 14, it tells us that King Uzziah prepared machinery for warfare. He invented he prepared and he equipped them with their armament for it, with helmets and body armor. And in verse 15 is where he devised the inventive machinery for warfare. And so at the end it says, So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. Or literally, he became strong because he was marvelously helped. You see, the greatest strength is in recognizing our own weakness. Paul says, When I am weak, I am strong. Therefore, I will glory in infirmities. Because when I realize my own weakness, then it keeps me dependent upon God. It's when I become proficient in areas in ministry that I have the greatest danger. Because I somehow eliminate God. I acknowledge it's for God and I may even pray to God, but my heart is not really turned to God because I'm trusting in my own flesh. I'm trusting in my own abilities. You know that there's a difference when you pray to God and when you just include God in your prayer. <laughs> there's a big difference. In verse 16, he says, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Notice the source, the heart. 
Man's heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, Jeremiah 79 says. Jesus says it's from the heart that proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications. The heart, the seat of understanding, the emotions, the will. That's why the psalmist says that we are to bury God's word in our heart, hide it there, that we might not sin against the Lord. And yet, Uzziah here made a grave mistake. He wasn't charging man, he was actually challenging God. And so Azariah in verse 17, the priests went after him along with 80 priests, valiant men. They withstood him, they confronted him to the face. And they said to Uzziah, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. And so we understand that God has given us gifts and callings. And we do best when we stick to those gifts and callings. And we don't meddle in areas that we have no business or calling in. You want to be effective? Do what God has called you to do. If He's called you to wait on tables, wait on tables. If He's called you to be a teacher and gifted you so, then do it. And God will bless you. But it's when we feel that we are an authority in ourselves and we have power beyond anybody else that we step out and we add to our own herd, even as the previous king. And so Uzziah became furious and he had a censer in his hand and he burned incense and while his anger was with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord besides the incense altar. God just struck him right there. The priest would wear a mitre on his forehead, all of gold, holiness unto the Lord. God says, you want to be a priest? I'll show you what kind of priest you are. You're a sinful priest. You're a defiled priest. And he gave him leprosy. Saul presumed upon the priesthood also. He sacrificed. God rent the kingdom from him. Miriam challenged Moses and dragged Aaron unto it. God struck her with leprosy. Gehazi became greedy for gain. And so Naaman's leprosy was given to him. Leprosy was symbolic of sin, a type of death to be removed from the camp, cut off from fellowship from the people of God and the house of God. So Azariah the priest and all the priests looked at him and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place indeed in a hurry to get out and because the Lord has struck him. Now King Uzziah was a leper, verse 21 says, to the day of his death he dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper for he was cut off from the house of the Lord and Jotham his son was over the king's house judging the people of the land. So there was a co-regency for a time with his son and the rest of the acts of Uzziah, the first and the last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos wrote. And you read the book of Uzziah, I mean Isaiah, and you see that he mentions the king Uzziah. As a matter of fact, Isaiah dates the beginning of his prophecy in chapter 6 by the time of the death of King Uzziah. And by that, it is very strong implication that perhaps Uzziah, because he was such a good and prosperous king, that the people had gotten their eyes upon the king and off of the Lord. And therefore, when Isaiah saw, he saw the throne of God high and lifted up and he was sitting upon the throne in the temple and even possibly Isaiah himself had his eyes upon Uzziah and now that Uzziah was dead what was Israel gonna do and God showed Isaiah that the true king was still on the throne and everything was under control Pastor Xavier Reese 
and the importance of entering the throne of grace with reverence and submission. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's verse-by-verse study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is 2 Chronicles chapters 25-30. through 30. Now once again, ask for the in-depth study titled 2 Chronicles chapters 25-30 through 30, when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 